0: Hello and welcome to Case Reopen. I'm your host Tyler Treese and joining me as always for this special one-hour episode of Detective Conan is Colleen. How excited are you for the Nanawa serial murder case?
1: Uh, On a scale of 1 to 10 probably you know close to an 11 or 12. One-hour specials always uh, get me excited.
0: Yeah especially when it has Hattori in it. You know last week We were kind of bummed out because we thought we were promised some Hattori. We got like two minutes, and then (laughs) he just invited him out for some Udon. And I don't even think they got Udon in this episode. I think they just got ramen. So I feel kind of, I feel misled. Oh,
1: is that right? So Heiji disappointed you yet again.
0: Yeah. So a little disappointment there. But yeah, we have this exciting one-hour special where Conan foregoes Tokyo, and now they're in Osaka. Getting all the fun accents in.
1: Is it their first time in Osaka?
0: Yes, it's their first time there. (laughs) This is episode 118 of the series. This originally aired on September 21st, 1998. And the Conan hint going into this episode was Car Mirror, Colleen. Did you remember to uh, keep a close eye for Car Mirrors?
1: Uh, No, so I didn't know what the Conan hint was going in, but uh, Car Mirror makes sense. That would have been a good thing to know prior to watching
0: Conan says that today's case, the motives come from the past in this one-hour special, and it's true. The motives do come from the past. So yeah, not nothing
1: bad. mysterious about that. That's just like factual.
0: I gotta say, I know, I know we I, we seemingly complain about the sub quality each time. <laughs> this was not great. I had to do some. I had to, like I found like this other fan translation that like I had to read to like clear up some points. I probably should have just found the manga case. So I could. Clear some, but I was very confused at multiple points just because of the like low quality sub. I, I didn't bother looking for a new one, I was already typed for time and I was like, eh, I'll just keep keep with this one. At least. But at least it didn't have Conan with a K, so right. I was like, This is okay.
1: Okay, I I gather that we watched the same one. The one I watch is probably the easiest one to find, but uh, I don't know, I didn't find it that bad. Maybe <laughs> I was like slightly. Uh, not paying attention, I was just trying to follow along as best as I could, and but I could imagine how writing a whole summary would be difficult based on what you find out from yeah mediocre subtitles.
0: But we'll get to the two points where I was like, "What the hell's going on?" Okay. <laughs> Later on, but the episode begins with Heisei Hitori, that's Hitori's father, discussing a string of serial murders with Detective Inshira Toyama. Toyama says that one thing has been the same in each case. The weapon was a knife and that the victims were stabbed through their wallets on their shirt pockets, then through the heart. What a way to kill these people.
1: Yeah, I mean, talk about your calling card. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that ever played a big role. It was just sort of like the common thing, but it had nothing to do with like the motive behind the murders. Like, I thought the wallet might symbolize something more but uh, i didn't catch anything
0: well i guess it does go through the driver's license so maybe there was some significance there
1: oh but i like that i like that idea of going through the driver's license that would tie it all in quite nicely so yeah okay i'll buy that
0: so the information hasn't been made public so that means that they're not dealing with a copycat murderer We then see hattori showing off a to Koga, ron and conan they're at like a little tower and Kenan grabs Hatori aside, and he asks him why he wanted him to come to Osaka. And Hatori says he just wanted to show him the city. However, he guarantees that men will die, which is quite the thing to say. He's like, "Hey, man, I guarantee some men will die."
1: <laughs> is this how you talk to your friends, to your bros? Because I'm, I'm, to me, this is a conversation between Kudo and Hatori, you know, bonding or whatnot. And he's like laying out some philosophical stuff
0: this was the first time during this episode that i was like huh maybe the sub isn't great <laughs> it's just the way <laughs> you phrased that he's like i guarantee men will die and i was like okay
1: okay <laughs> that was your reaction
0: yeah th- this is how all the boys talk Colleen. okay this is our locker room talk. i don't, we don't know we don't I, talk I don't talk about grabbing pussies we talk about men dying being a guaranteed thing in life okay death and taxes
1: The two guarantees in life.
0: And he says that he had a bad dream where he was about to catch a criminal, but he was stabbed. He then says Conan was also stabbed and died during his dream. So, uh, kind of a dark start to this episode.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you get that it's foreshadowing, but it can't be completely all truth because we have another 900 and some episodes to get through.
0: We then meet a member of the Osaka police force. Officer Yusuke Sakata. And he arrives, and Hatori explains that he set up a special tour for Koguro. Hatori asks where his father is, but is told that he's currently having a meeting about a case. We then learn that Hatori requested a patrol car so they can cut through traffic. The whole Mori family's all kind of embarrassed because they're in the backseat, and it looks like they're <laughs> under arrest. Hatori's like, hey, I can put on the squadron light, you know, so we can get through even faster. They're like, no, no, please don't, please don't. <laughs>
1: What an abusive power, though. He's just, like, Hattori's just super proud of it, too. He's like, well, we can cut through traffic.
0: And it's very accurate, from what I see from all the police protests, because I feel like they would do this. Nah. So they all arrive to eat some ramen, not a, uh, not that udon, although maybe a ramen place has udon, probably.
1: Um, I think every ramen place I've been to has udon.
0: So maybe they had udon. Were you paying close attention to the, to the the noodles they were having. Did they in fact have udon?
1: So my sub didn't help me because it just said noodles. It didn't specify what type, and I guess I wasn't paying attention to the thickness of the noodle, the way that it was. They were drawn. pretty thick.
0: Uh, so would that would be udon then? If
1: they're yeah, thick. I, I okay. think
0: so. Yeah. You know, I take it back. I apologize to Tori. <laughs> he did have the udon.
1: <laughs> he took them to an udon shop
0: after yeah, all. as so promised. It paid off. I apologize. So we do get that that whole character arc payoff of them eating udon.
1: Oh yeah, the big character arc that we've been waiting for a, a whole half of an episode.
0: Yep. Well,
1: at least Hatori isn't a liar.
0: Exactly. And Koguro winds up not being a big fan of it. He says it has no taste. Ha- he says it has no taste while talking to the chef. Ron feels that she's being watched. What do you think about this, Ron? Feeling the spooks here.
1: Oh, I. So okay, I didn't remember this case, um, but this part I f- I thought I like I knew what was going on. I mean, I don't want to spoil it just yet, but I knew uh, what Ron was talking about.
0: They didn't decide to try some fried takoyaki, which they all enjoy. Although oh, Ron continues to feel nervous, and they just they just keep going from place to place. Have you ever done this, where you went to separate restaurants just to keep eating like one meal? Like eat one dish one place and get to another place? Um, This seems crazy to me.
1: I don't think I've done separate restaurants. Like maybe at a a festival or a food fair or something, I would try from different stalls. But I would tend to, like with the restaurant thing, I think I'd just pick one restaurant and then get a bunch of stuff off the menu. I wouldn't like go restaurant hopping.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they do though. And they they continue their eating frenzy by getting some hotcakes. And they're all weirded out by Hitori getting rice with his. Can you imagine that?
1: I wasn't weirded out by that, though. I don't know.
0: You're into rice and hotcakes?
1: I mean, to each their own.
0: <laughs> You're a strange woman, Colleen.
1: Apparently. Only Hatori and I can <laughs> go and dine out together.
0: So Hatori goes to call his mother, and that's when a woman sits where Hattori was and says that they must be Kudo. And she says that. Haji talks about them a lot. Conan thinks his gigs is up, and he's like, oh, God and she says that she knows everything that happened however she winds up confronting ron not conan who she thinks is a woman named kudo ron tries to explain that it's wrong but the girl goes on a rant saying that they're childhood friends and that she has a bond of steel with hattori if you want to make a move on hattori you have to get through me she says <laughs> and that's when Hatori returns and uh, he introduces her as kazuha toyama and tells her that kudo is actually a guy she's Quite embarrassed here. What do you think of Kazuha's first parents? It's quite memorable.
1: Yeah, it, it it it's memorable watching it back now because the first time I saw Kazuha was in the dub, and there I don't know if she made as much of an impact. I think they were tr- really trying to push the fact that she and Hatori were Canadians, so I think that's what I was. Wait,
0: wait. About. So they're Canadian? Apparently, they're from
1: <laughs> Alberta. I think. I might be what the hell I might be getting that wrong but I think they made them Canadian um, <laughs> wow. I can't even remember what their accents were like if they gave them some really elaborate accents but um, yeah I think that was their their plot and I don't remember what the the justification was for why they were like maybe they were in a Japanese style restaurant or something um but yeah I I quite enjoy like, I like Kazu as a character. Uh, her first appearance, though, it kind of reminded me of Hatori's first appearance where he's a bit of a jerk. And Kazu, although funny, like, if I didn't know more about the character, I probably would have been put off by her attitude. But because I know uh, how, like, into Hatori she is, this seems okay, even though, like... It's, even though it's funny that she's like adamant that no, she doesn't like Katori at all. What did you think of her?
0: Yeah, I I love her. I love Kazuha. She's one of my favorite characters. But uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying about her first appearance. Uh, she's quite rude and unruly, but I, I think that's the appeal. You we know, all like a, a girl with a bit of a wild side.
1: Do we? Okay,
0: um, I, I will make note of that. That Canadian wild side of Kazuha.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The one who follows people around. I really wish they would have shown maybe a shadowy figure or eyes, like, sidelong from yeah, in the I distance. Yeah, I
0: love a good stalker girl. Let me yeah. tell
1: you.
0: <laughs> so Ron's introduced as Kudo's girlfriend, and she tries to correct Heiji, but he says that she's just shy. Kaza asks why Kudo isn't here, and Heiji almost says that he is here, but then covers by saying something came up that prevented Shinichi from coming. Ron asks about the bonds of steel, and Hattori explains that when they were kids, he found a pair of handcuffs, and they played police with them. However, they couldn't get them off. Kazuya said that they had to shower and go to the bathroom together before they were removed. Kazuha kept the links from the handcuffs to remember it. Ron asks if they're dating, but it's vehemently denied by both, and Haiji reveals that her father is a detective and a close friend of his dad. Kogoro remarks that it's really conspicuous that an officer and detective's kids would grow up together. But Ron defends it since obviously that's their situation with Shinichi. I do like how her and Shinichi and Kazuha and Hatori really are just like opposites on the other sides of uh, Japan.
1: Yeah, it's like they're the East and West equivalents. It's uh, it's nice. Like I don't feel like it's um a cop out at all, or that uh, uh, Oyama's just copying. The couples at all because I think that Hattori and Kazuha do have their own flavor like their own dynamic that's a lot more um hot-headed than Shinichi and Ron.
0: Yeah definitely. Tori asks why Kazuha is here and she explains that she's making sure that he doesn't get tricked by the girl from Tokyo. She says that she followed them from the tower they were at earlier and was keeping an eye as a big sister that's when Ron realizes that she was who she felt watching them earlier.
1: Okay, so this surprised me only because either I forgot or I never knew that Kazuha was older than Hitori, unless that's not what she means by big sister.
0: That might have been a uh, just a bad translation. Let me get, okay. the, <laughs> get the ages here on the always helpful Detective Conan wiki. Kazuha is seventeen, and Hitori is also seventeen. Right. Do we have a birthday? July, August for Hattori? Unknown for her. So I, I don't know if... It probably was just a bad thing. I think she was just trying to say that she was looking out for him. And uh, I'm just blaming our sub for that one. Okay. <laughs> that That is the one, like, bummer about Detective Conan. Until we get very, very far in the series, we don't have, like, a reliable official sub to be using, so we have to get from fan sub to fan sub for the most part. Yeah. Like, eventually, it got picked up by Crunchyroll, and they have like the last couple hundred episodes, but not the early portion, So we're kind of stuck using not the greatest subs. Although most of them have been perfectly fine. I haven't had an issue. It's just this this weird stretch of episodes they've been kind of nasty.
1: Yeah. Well, we make do, and when things like this pop up, where you're just like, "Wait a minute, is Kazuha?" Saying that she's older than them, like you can always refer back to the original source.
0: She's an old soul,
1: much like yourself. Thank you for saying that.
0: (laughs) They leave the restaurant and rejoin Sakata, who tells Mori that he's here to host when asked to join in with them. He's certainly not committing murders while all this while they have a good time eating.
1: No, not at all. He's just waiting for them outside somewhere.
0: Kazia hops in the car to join them, and then a crowd disperses near the police car. Haji looks out to understand what the commotion was, and we see a body come crashing down on the vehicle with a knife through a wallet and heart. Tori looks at the building and sees a figure, so he and Kevin run after it while Sakata fends the station. They confront the man on the roof, but he says that he runs a coffee shop on the second level and was told via phone call to go up to the roof as there was a suspicious man there. What do you think about this murder here?
1: Uh well, it was impactful, definitely. Um like the moment that Hitori looked out the window, I was like, oh no, they're not going to drop a body from like, you know, up, like the building or onto the car or whatnot. But yeah, they did that. So, um I mean, it uh <laughs> it's so weird to say like, oh, it was great. Like I I got a real rush from it because it Big happened Big fan of like, this a- murder. Big fan, yeah. Big thumbs up for this one. But it happened before everyone's eyes, like the the main cast in the car, so it just drives home that point that these people witness murders, like left, right, and center.
0: Yeah, Kogoro asks how the body fell, and Hatori says that if you tie a rope to the body, and then to the railing, cover the body with something, and then connect it to the door, it would then detach the body once somebody opens the door.
1: So there's a note about this uh, on the wiki. Uh, well, something to the effect of how in the manga, um, Hatori uh, alluded to a previous case that um, Kogro slash Conan solved. How uh, like this exact same trip uh, trick was used, but I guess they chose to omit that um, in the anime.
0: Yeah, way back in episode sixty, the illustrator murder case.
1: Oh, it was that one okay? That's yeah. the one with the the guy who's having an affair or something like that, and yep, the butterflies.
0: Yep. Okay. And she she dies. The whole she, he's like in a he's in a whole different building from her, and then you see her fall. And they're like, "How could it happen?" Right. He has that alibi, so same thing there. I like how once we learn the method of like how somebody was killed, he can just recognize it instantly, and there's not a whole case built around it.
1: Well, so that, and then Hattori's like, "Oh, I also estimate that he was killed yesterday." I was like, "Are you, are you a doctor now, Hattori?" <laughs> like yes. with with their knowledge of rigor mortis and all that, I suppose it's believable.
0: Yeah, he believes that the killer could be warning somebody, and we see a woman sees the body and then she starts running away. Hattori chases after her, but she flees in a car. However, Conan has the license plate and asks for details on the other cases that. Tori alluded to. Kegura then learns about the serial murderer and it's revealed that everyone was strangled before being stabbed. Tori says the first victim was Hidetoshi Nagao, a department store owner, the second was Teyo Nishiguchi, who was a bartender, and the latest is Kazuto Noyasu, a taxi driver. None of them had financial issues, and there's no connection that the police know of other than that they were all born in Kyoto and worked in Osaka. Sakata then enters and says that he's actually found the connection. That didn't take long.
1: (laughs) Gee, maybe it's like he knew it.
0: He puts in a videotape and shows a disgraced politician named Sitaru Goshi. Kagura says that his secretary took the blame and that they resigned and that his name was Nagao. Meanwhile, Goshi's personal driver is Nayasu, so two of the cases linked to him. So, there is something linking all these guys together.
1: Very Interesting.
0: Kagura says that Goshi notoriously hates the police, and Hattori decides to investigate the case since he disturbed their wonderful tour. <laughs>
1: yeah, the tour of food in Osaka. I mean, I, I love how Hatori so Osaka proud, though. I'll give him that.
0: Yeah, man, he's got that pride. Before he leaves, Kazuo asks if he has his amulet on him, which he says he does, and that she shouldn't worry. Ron asks about it, and Kazuha says that she gave him a good luck charm that protects him from danger once he entered a kendo competition and got injured because he forgot it. The unique amulet is a part of a pair that perfectly shows the memory we share, says Kazuha before explaining that he has the key to their handcuffs. Kogoro then realizes that Conan isn't with them, so they're like, oh god, where is he?
1: (laughs) And I love how uh, Hattori got him out of there. His jacket.
0: Yeah, we get this... So hilarious scene where Sonata's like Hatori, what's with your jacket? Why is it all puffy? And then he <laughs> unzips it and you just see Conan there bursting out, hardly can breathe. And it reminded me of how when Shinichi's mom was on the motorcycle and she just had him stuffed inside her, oh my like, god, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so for, uh, not as much cleavage here with Hatori.
1: It goes to show you how small Conan is, though. Because when you think about it, like, to put a child in your coat, like, he'd have to be rather small.
0: Oh, he's only, what, kindergarten or whatever, first grade, small boy.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, he's one of the smaller ones um, in his class.
0: Yeah, it's not like like she would put Genta down her shirt. Right. (laughs) Sonata says that they got the woman's name and address after running the license plate and says her name is Sumi Okazaki. They decide to head to her apartment where she lives alone. He tries to call her and she answers the phone and she tells him to come quickly and help her as she'll be killed soon because of her past. So things really amp up here in interest for me. I was like, man, so there's some past connecting everybody. Were you exi- Did you remember what the twist was with the uh, driving academy?
1: No, no, no. I didn't remember this case at all apart from uh, the stuff that happened in the cabin like with the, with the other guy The the guy that he was going to frame Yeah Because that, that scene comes back um, Quite often Like as a flashback in other episodes But that's all I remembered of this case
0: Sonata passes the, oh. however Sonata passes the building And he gets stuck in traffic So Hattori and Conan hop out of the moving car And run towards the building They had some really close calls here with uh, traffic They almost get hit a few times
1: Yeah <laughs> Uh, It just goes to show you how Hattori doesn't treat Conan like a little kid. Well, apart from concealing him in his jacket or whatnot, but he really sees kudo in him. And he's just like, ah, he'll run off. Like, he'll run in traffic, same as me. Like, we're equals.
0: Once they arrive, they get no answer at the doorbell. However, the door is surprisingly unlocked, and they walk in to find the television on with nobody else there. They call Sakata and say that she's not home, and he says he'll get there soon. They then hear a scream from a nearby restroom and run down to find her body lying on the ground with a knife through her wallet and her chest. Like the other victims, she was strangled by a rope and a janitor found her body. Tori wonders why she left the house. They check her voicemail and find a message from 1.08 p.m. telling her to come downtown as there's an old friend for her to meet. The distorted voice then tells her that she's the next victim and a follow-up message at 1.10 p.m. Conan tells Satori that something is wrong with the messages, as the second message was just two minutes after the first, and it was like she was being under his control. So, what do you think about that, Colleen? The creepy messages just spaced two minutes apart.
1: Yeah, I'm. I wasn't really sure what was going on there. Um, I at this point, you know, we're kind of nearing the halfway point, or we just passed it, or whatnot. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, who? Is the murderer here? Because usually we're introduced to a whole cast of characters. We're trying to figure out who's done what, and then in this one there isn't really anybody like that. So I should have known better. I should have, you know, looked at the people that we were introduced to already in the episode. But um, watching it, I was like, I have no idea. We're probably going to get like a random serial murderer out of all this, and. Hopefully uh, Conan or Hattori will be able to explain everything.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. It is formatted very differently from the average case here. I thought so. Hattori remembers his dream, and then they leave to go to Goshi's house. Sonata mentions that all the victims were easily identified, as they had their driver's license with them in the the wallet. Hattori and Conan believe this could be a clue, but they learned that none of them had past driving offenses, and that they all got their licenses at different times and places. They realize that Okazaki went to the cheapest and friendliest testing place, and after looking into that, they learned that Okazaki and Nishiguchi both stayed at the same hotel during the procedure. I don't even know how you would like find that out. I know. <laughs> like, hey, hotel, do you have records from like twenty years ago? They'd probably be like, no. <laughs> the case just runs cold.
1: Only in Osaka.
0: Kano then notices that Okazaki failed the test when she took it for the first time, and that Nishiguchi took his for the first time three years later. Sonata then learns that the other victims and Goshi stayed there 20 years ago. One other person was also there, and it just happens to be a missing serial killer. Because, why not?
1: (laughs) How convenient.
0: The serial killer's name is Kichiro Numabuchi- and they get faxed a photo of the driving class and learn that they all graduated at the same time, but only Okazaki took the test at that time, so that's odd. Do you have any funny driver's license stories, Colleen? Did you uh, fail your test?
1: No, I passed it on my your first Your very try. first time? Oh, yeah. wow. I mean, I uh, was kind of scared going into it. Um, I'm not the most confident driver, and... Um, I was uh, talking to a lot of my friends at the time. I was about I don't know 18 I think when I did my test. And all my friends were saying, "Yeah, I can't pass the test." Like some of them were saying that they tried like 3 times, 4 times and they weren't passing at all. And so I went in there totally, you know, downhearted. I had no idea if I would pass and it just was really stressful and um I ended up The hardest thing I had to do, I guess, if you call it hard, is uh, um, backing up into a parking space. I didn't even have to parallel park. I didn't go on any highways or anything. Like, it was a pretty smooth test. And uh, there were two things that happened that I thought would uh, cause me to fail. But uh, luckily, it just showed that I was like a, a hesitant driver, if you will. Uh, but the instructor did mention it <laughs> so what happened was i came to a stop sign before the other car that was facing me but i just like stood there cuz i thought that i was the second one that came to the stop sign so we just both like <laughs> stood there for a good few seconds until the other guy finally drove off and then i went um so that was apparently bad but it didn't fail me. And then the other one was um, I uh, changed lanes. Uh, so it was like an intersection. I changed lanes on the intersection. Like there was no line or anything. Yeah. So, But the only reason I did that was because um, there was a, a truck parked. Like they were uh, doing some sort of construction work up ahead. So it would have been – it was safer for me to – change lanes or more i guess it would have been more fluid for me to change lanes earlier uh, otherwise i would have had to stop and sort of like wait or whatnot so i mean i could have done that but i chose not to but luckily uh he didn't the instructor didn't fail me but he didn't me- he did mention those two things and those have stayed with me ever since
0: clearly i don't remember any vivid details about my test but i did fail like three or four times there's okay. m- there, there's multiple failures
1: now did you go like right when you were allowed to? Like
0: Uh it was after I graduated school. So it would have been like eighteen or nineteen.
1: Okay, so you waited same as me.
0: Yeah, I didn't drive anyone as uh before before after school. I didn't have any money. But, right. But yeah, so I failed a few times. I'm not the, the perfect student like you, Colleen.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I got it over with so I never had to do it again.
0: Yeah, I've, like, failed so many times that, like, my grandma took me to the testing, and then when I came back, she was like, all right, it's fine, you'll get it next time. I was like, no, I passed. And she was like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. She, she was so surprised.
1: No, was she the one that brought you to all your other tests? Maybe she got used to it.
0: Yeah, a couple, because I always used to her car for the, uh, for the test.
1: So. Oh, okay. Do you drive a uh, stick shift?
0: no I, I drive automatic
1: automatic okay yeah same my i'm not, uh...
0: I'm not cool enough to drive <laughs> manual
1: <laughs> my my parents tried to teach me manual but it was just too much like trying to learn to drive and then also manual on top of that so i t- i told myself i'm going to learn on automatic and then eventually maybe manual it hasn't happened yet but you know one day maybe
0: <laughs> it's not that bad driving me i've done it in video games so yeah, yeah. obviously a pro
1: <laughs> well you have tons of practice then
0: but it's it's just like who needs the extra hassle and what do you get out of it not much it's, it's not like you're like having such a better time driving because you have to manually like press the damn gear shift a ton you know
1: no, I don't, but people swear by it. They're like, yeah, there's so much more to do. It's so much more interactive and fun to drive. I'm just like, I just want to go from point A to point B. I don't amen, have fun driving. Amen, sister.
0: <laughs> amen, So they all travel to a library to do some research on the case. They find a newspaper article on the day that they all graduated and find out that an instructor died in a drunk driving accident named Tetsuji Abba. Tori comes up with a blackmail scenario and says that Goshi could be the culprit, so they head over to his place. Before they can do that, though, Conan runs into Ron, who yells at him for disappearing and not calling her. Inspector Goriotaki's with them, and Hatori makes fun of Kazuha for always calling the police. They then take Conan back, and Hatori tells him to leave the case to him as it's Osaka. He then gives Conan his lucky amulet and has him promise to leave the case to him. So you can tell, like you mentioned earlier. Bahatori views, you know, Conan as an equal, but you can see here he's trying to look out for him because he gives him his his lucky amulet. He's been worried about him a bit just because of that dream he keeps having. Having,
1: yeah, and and it's it's so nice to see that compared to. Hattori's attitude towards Kudo the first time uh, we see Hattori so it's nice that they sort of developed this friendship but so much so that is willing to give him his lucky amulet um, to me though this scene kind of read uh, on the part of Hattori as he's telling Conan like this is my turf you, you've got Tokyo you're like the king in Tokyo I'm the king here in Osaka so I'm gonna solve the case okay <laughs> Like, that's kind of how I read it, so uh, I respect that. I mean, Hattori uh, is... Um, that's his turf. He wants to solve the case. He knows the, all the police force here. Like, uh, Goro Otaki, he's... Um, I was really happy to see him because he uh, he does appear quite often afterwards. He's like Hattori's kind of almost like sidekick bodyguard kind of guy. Um, so... Yeah, it was just nice to see this little interaction and, like, uber foreshadowing as to what's going to happen. Because now that Conan has the amulet, you know, okay, something's going to go down.
0: Yeah, you just know that bad shit's going to happen for Conan here. Taki then gets a phone call and learns that they found the serial killer's car at the summit. He quickly heads there in his car, taking care Ron and Conan with him. Once they arrive, Conan sneaks out. And he tells the police that the murderer is hiding inside the nearby cabin. He shows them a Benny found with convenience store receipts halfway burnt. And says that somebody else is buying food and keeping him there. They go inside but nobody's there. Come and find some mud on the window. And says that there's not even any spider webs there. So he climbs up onto the ceiling beams. And that's when he finds a secret entrance to the top. So the police head up there. That's where they find Nomabuchi. Who begs them for food? He he looks like the lamest serial killer possible.
1: Yeah, so frail and like hollow cheeked and uh...
0: also known as your dream guy.
1: Well, yeah, totally <laughs> super attractive.
0: You yeah, know, that's my my dream girl. Looks like she's coming off a heroin bender. Just zero body fat. That's mm.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll find that lucky lady somewhere out there
0: we then cut back to a tory situation and Goshi's refusing to talk to the police and says that they'll eventually give up his assistant asks to report the phone call that they got saying that the killer will use the cases from 20 years ago as bait and that he'll wait for him behind his house in an hour we then cut back to conan that's when we see Nimbabuchi purposefully falling to the floor near a stack of trash that's when he grabs a knife he uses this diversion to run towards Ron. He's about to stab this poor innocent girl. What a scumbag! And uh, Conan jumps in front of her to protect her. What do you think about this dramatic moment?
1: Oh, it was it was wonderful. Like despite like all the uh, the parts where Conan was like in his kudo mode, like detective mode, like it, it, he kind of just throws caution to the wind and follows the case like in 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 the end i think he really does care for ron in such a fashion that he would well he just showed it he would risk his own life for her and i guess it's weird to think of um seeing a kid get stabbed like a kid jumping up in front of somebody and getting stabbed but uh um when you think of it being kudo then i don't know maybe it has a different meaning to it.
0: Yeah, we then see Kazaha use her martial arts skill as she takes down the criminal, but obviously Conan's been stabbed, so everybody's worried. However, we cut back to Yatori there. He's looking at the photo from the driving school, and that's when he notices something, and he asks where Sakata is. He learns that he's at the bathroom, so he says he'll go there too. And they switch back to Conan, and he eases everybody's fears. He's like, hey, I just got scratched. It's cool. And that's when he shows the amulet that Hatori gave him. Conan eases everybody's concerns by saying that he just got scratched. And that the amulet Haji gave him saved him from a, uh, the knife piercing him. Conan asks the police why Numabuchi is wearing two pairs of handcuffs. And they say that he was already cuffed to a pillar. He then says somebody was sending him food. And that Conan was right. Conan then looks at the driving school photo. And he notices something else to his horror. I like how quickly Conan moves on from, like, almost dying to being like, hey, what's up with this murder guy? (laughs)
1: Yeah. There's not a lot of reflection there. Um, But, I, I mean, that's just par for the course when it's technically 48 minutes of an episode. It's not even, like, the full hour. So they have to keep moving. Like, they don't have time for Conan to be like, oh, my gosh, I was just practically stabbed.
0: Yeah. We then see Hitori walk outside into the shed and tell Sonata that he knows he's the murderer and that Goshi won't come to see him. He explains that Sonata specifically took them to the shop and then called the coffee shop owner to set his plan in motion. While they went to check out the roof, he called Mrs. Okazaki to get her to the scene of the crime and then called her again, leaving the threatening message. what do you think about this whole reveal of, uh... what do you think about this reveal that Sonata is the criminal mastermind in killing all these people.
1: Quite um, the shock for me. Oh, were you shocked? So you you didn't see this coming?
0: I mean, I remembered it now, but like I remember it because I was so surprised the first time I read it. I was like, oh, wow. The police officer did it.
1: Right. So I probably had that same reaction um, as you did like the first time you read it. I, uh, I think <laughs> I literally gasped. I don't... I don't have, like, a lot of um, sounds that I make when I watch anything, anime, TV shows, like, unless it's something really shocking. I'll gasp or I'll, like, giggle or whatever. But I, um, yeah, I did not see this coming. Uh, like I mentioned before, I was I was uh, convinced that this was going to be just, like, a random serial killer and we don't really get a backstory or anything. Um, but I, I should have known better. I should have tried to look at the cast of characters presented to us. So yeah, it was uh, surprising for me.
0: So after leaving the phone calls, he pretended to drive past her house, stopped the car in the alley nearby. And then he called her again, saying that she's in danger and to meet him at the public restroom. He then strangled her there while they were going and investigating her room.
1: And what a creepy freeze frame when they were showing the bathroom. Because the, the lady was, like, approaching him and she yeah. was all happy to see him. And then she turns away and I think that they did that, like, clouded over glasses thing and he <laughs> raised, like, a wire. I was freaking out. <laughs>
0: uh, and then the big twist here is that Sonata had rented two cars of the same model and then he got into another car that was nearby to make it look like he had just arrived. Is it, Okay, so, like, the reason for the two cars, was it because of, like... They mentioned earlier that Osaka has a bunch of one-way streets. They didn't really go into this much. Like, at first I was like, why does he even need two cars? Because it wasn't made, like, super clear here.
1: Right. Okay, let's let's uh, break this down because I didn't understand it either. I was like, okay, he had two cars, but I didn't understand why it was a pivotal part of the case. Okay, if you're saying that it's because of the one-way streets, then uh, does that mean that he would just have... Like, one parked somewhere ready to go?
0: Yeah, like, he had one. I'm guessing he had one, like, right by her. I don't know if she's in an apartment complex. I think, yeah, she was in an apartment complex. So maybe he just had one parked right there so he could quickly run over to it and then get back into it. While the other car, he had to walk a bit to get to that public restroom. So mm-hmm. he, like, parked it in an alleyway out of the way, then he crossed the street like they did. Okay. I'm guessing that's what happened.
1: That, yeah, that makes sense.
0: But I mean, I, they, they kind of gloss over it. might just be because the anime has to move so quickly through this. Yeah. But at the very first time I saw it, I was like, why the hell did he need two cars? <laughs> it winds up being more important here in a bit.
1: Well, it winds um, up giving him away, according yeah. to the Tori.
0: But I was like, why did he do that? It just seemed like he was adding like complications when he didn't really need to. But I'm guessing it's because of the one-way streets they do mention that in the episode and i assume that they would only mention that if it had an importance so
1: yeah no you're right
0: hitori says that sonata asked to be his driver and wanted to get hitori involved in the case so he could kill goshi sonata asked how hitori found out and he says that the angle of the car mirror is different in the second car and that his face was too much like the instructor that died 20 years ago he says that he confirmed it by watching him drive as he always adjusts his rear view mirror first, just like Okazaki and Nayasu did. That means he learned from the same person. Dun dun dun.
1: Which was weird because...
0: How so, does he know how the other people drive?
1: How, well, A, that. And Sonata, I think his uh, little intro card said he was like 26 or something. Like, he wasn't that old. So. Also, is it ago- that
0: strange to check your... Check, check your, your mirror Yes,
1: first. nobody does that. Like, I, I mean, I do that all the time because we have multiple drivers using the same car and we're of all different heights and everything, so I have to always change my mirrors. Wow, it just you're just like going to give thing. yourself
0: away as a murderer with that habit.
1: Obviously, better not uh, you know, drive near Hattori or else he'll arrest me. But yeah, so Sonata was like six years old when his father died, so how could he... I don't think he would necessarily develop that habit unless, you know, he chose to do that as soon as he was old enough to start driving. He's like, I'm going to remember my father in this way.
0: Apparently, it's, he's stuck with it.
1: That <laughs> looks like it, but, uh, again, this gives him away.
0: So Tori tells him to give it up and to turn himself in. However, Sonata pulls out a gun and goes to commit suicide. It's like, whoa, dude, calm down.
1: Like, this Sonata character, like... I I should have also thought, okay, I I should have also thought it was him because he doesn't show up later on in in other episodes, whereas other officers from Osaka do. So, but he's just unstable.
0: (laughs) I love him. He's like a chaotic neutral. Right. (laughs) (laughs) As it's happened, Otaki calls the other officers and reveals that is the killer as Numabuchi revealed it to him. Sakata was initially planning on framing the former serial killer as the killer here. Once he was done, he was going to kill him and make it look like he committed suicide out of remorse. Which doesn't make much sense. Like, how could you kill, like, ten people? And then you're like, on the 11th, you're like, you know what? I've done too much harm.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's the that's the trigger. I mean, to his credit, though, uh, Nomobuchi is uh equally unstable, like he's probably even worse, and he has this whole kind of scared kind of victim um psychoticness about him. Uh so he's probably the perfect person to
0: um frame. The gun goes off and we see Hitori grab it from him and then empty the clip. It hits a gasoline container and the shed starts burning, so we have all kinds of dramaticness to the scene. Tori apologizes for shooting Sonata's leg, and says that he's been hit in the stomach as well. So uh, everybody kind of got hit here.
1: What did you write afterwards?
0: It was a fracas.
1: <laughs> that was the in the fracas.
0: What's wrong with that? It's a noisy disturbance or quarrel. Something
1: no, like- nothing. It's just I thought it was in the fracas, like as if that was like a a colloquial term for his balls or something.
0: <laughs> what no no it was just they were tumbling around with the gun firing off what was it nothing about his balls okay <laughs> what the hell Colleen. <laughs> nothing
1: never mind
0: i didn't say it hit him in his cojones you know <laughs> so uh sonata tells the that the instructor 20 years ago was his father that he always told them to adjust their rearview mirror first when driving. That his habit came from him. I like how that's the one thing he took from his father. That's the one lasting memory. Right. You know, son, always adjust your rearview mirror first.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, Papa. I promise I will. Maybe
1: he didn't have enough time to instill anything else. Because was That was the
0: only lesson. He never got to don't murder people. Right. He had his priorities of, I gotta teach him about this rearview mirror first.
1: And who knows where the mom was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe she was pro-murder. Who knows. He says that uh... his father would never drive drunk, and that he joined the force to uncover the truth. He found the serial killer in the mountains. That's when Numabuchi mistook Sonata for his father, and he admitted everything. Turns out they, they tried to do a very funny prank where they made him drink. And then drive a car without brake fluid. Can you think of a funnier prank than getting somebody drunk?
1: Hilarious.
0: And putting them behind the wheel of a car without proper brakes.
1: Um, that that's horrible. Um, and it's bad Hilarious. enough that one person did that, but six, like all of I, this this whole case is just bonkers.
0: Yeah, they don't really go into like all six of them planning it or anything. They kind of just say. Yeah, all six are involved, but I feel like in the manga they do a better job of fleshing out all this stuff.
1: Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to have to go back and read it then. Because, yeah, I'll, I'll reserve my comments for so later. they don't really
0: go into it here.
1: No, I mean, it's just six. All of them were involved, so I need to get revenge on all of them. But I don't see how you would need that many people.
0: <laughs> well, you know the classic joke. How many Japanese people does it take to get an instructor drunk and drive a car without brake fluid? Six.
1: Wow, that, that joke is just as funny as the prank. It's pretty good.
0: Since the statute of limitations had expired, Sonata decided to kill all six people involved. A uh, pained Hatori then stands up, and Sonata apologizes for involving him. Hatori says he's the only police officer not fit to hold a gun in Japan, which would not be true in the United States. And then he says that he should have thought about his honor and duty. You're a disgrace to the Sakura on your badge, Hatori says before yeah. carrying I mean, him out of the fire uh, heroically. What, that? what a man.
1: It's cool. Yep. He's, um, it's definitely kind of turned into the Hattori he's cool. show right now.
0: Taki then tells a passed out Sonata that an ambulance took Hatori to a hospital. Goshi walks out and gives the punch Sonata after learning it was the killer. Fucking Shiro Toyama catches his punch and says that Sonata is still his subordinate and not to touch him. He then sticks, so he sticks up for his uh his officer, even though he's a serial killer. And he tells Goshi that he'll talk to him later and truly find out what happened twenty years ago. And
1: Sonata's is all grateful about it. Like he's he's got this twinkle in his eye. He's like oh, officer or whatever his title is, Toyama. My hero. Yes.
0: After the credits, we see Kazuha begging Atori to wake up in the ambulance. She learns that there's a bullet inside him, and Atori explains that it was an accident as he stopped the guy from committing suicide. She asks him why he did something so dangerous, and he references that time when Shinichi yelled at him, and he says that some idiot told him that using force to make the criminal commit suicide is the same as murder. So obviously, Shinichi had an impact on
1: him. That's right, and that's why he's the protagonist.
0: Hattori then tells them to let him sleep, and Kazuha starts the ball, thinking that he's dead. She hugs him, and she screams out, No! And that's when Hattori springs to life and tells her to shut <laughs> up. He's just trying to get some sleep. With his giant head. Yeah, the medic's like, Oh, he must not be in that bad of a shape if he's this spirited. And so Kazuha gets really annoyed, so she leans on his wound and calls him an idiot and Kenner remarks that Tori won't go down that easily and the couple's just bickering as the episode ends. Wow. So what did you think about this 1-hour Tori show? <laughs>
1: um I uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh the case itself was um I just took it for what it was. I didn't necessarily try to figure it uh, figure it out along the way. I was just I was just happy to say like oh, okay, I'm sure it's just some Random serial killer, and then that was the end of it. But I liked the interactions with all the characters. I liked uh, the introduction of Kazuha and all the other um, Osaka cast, like Katori's dad and uh, and uh, the other guy Otaki. I think his name was the guy with the scar on his um, eyebrow. So they're cool. Uh, <laughs> I found it really funny though, like uh, how Kogoro didn't really have much of a role in this episode. He was just there, like, along for the ride. And his biggest contribution was at the beginning when all the the teenagers were meeting up. And I just thought to myself, well, he's probably so bored because here's a bunch of, like, 16-, 17-year-olds just hanging out and he's almost like the chaperone. And then Kogoro just sort of disappears midway through. And we don't see him even at the end. So, uh, I found that particularly funny, but that's from more of a, like, plotting perspective than anything else. Um, but yeah, I, uh, and I liked, uh, getting the refresher to the, uh, Namabuchi part, because that, like I said earlier, that tends to be a flashback. I guess they use it to show how Conan, you know, sacrificed himself to save Ron or whatnot, but, uh, it was good to see the... Original oh, God. source again. Do you know what
0: his dub name, name is? Cornelius Graver. How do you know that? <laughs> Did you write this down or something? No, I, re- I remember it. How do you know? <laughs> what the hell?
1: Sorry, I spoiled your joke. Sorry, I spoiled your discovery.
0: Yeah, so uh, he'll show up again. We have not seen the last of Cornelius Graver.
1: Yeah, I think the... He- doesn't he
0: show up, like, every hundred
1: episodes or so?
0: Uh, he shows up a few times. Not that many, but he has a few appearances. Yeah. I seem to recall... Everybody's favorite serial <laughs> Yeah.
1: Fan favorite over here. What did you think of the one-hour special?
0: Yeah, I thought it was a really solid episode. I thought, uh... I, I like everything with Hattori. He's one of my favorite characters, uh, I love that Kazuha was finally introduced, and I'm excited to see them flesh her out a bit in future appearances, kind of like they, they did with Hiji Because yeah, you know, that first episode, he wasn't the most likable guy, but you kind of love him over time, and I think the same with Kazuha. So it was nice to get a, all this hattori here. This three straight episodes with some Hiji in it, so that was nice. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be a bit until we see him again. Oh like, no, uh, really? Yeah, like twenty three up, ep- or er, yeah, twenty three episodes. Okay, so we're a bit that, to go. That
1: is a bit, but uh, yeah, we're uh, definitely starting to see the trend with Hattori, how he gets injured a lot.
0: Well, that's because he's a cool guy. Cool guys get injured.
1: Oh yeah, that that's obviously the rule. I also found it funny how Kazuha ended up being the one to show off her martial arts skills and take the take down um that guy. So,
0: yeah, that was a nice surprise because we didn't really have any background on her being a martial artist before that.
1: No, that's right. And I don't know if it comes back that often, um, like maybe maybe once in a while. I don't know if it's at, like every time we see Kaza, she also has to like show off her moves or whatnot. But uh, it was, it's interesting to see that parallel as well that you've got, you know, Shinichi and Haiji being detectives, and then their love interests are both these um, strong females that happen to also know some
0: sort of martial art. Yeah, so uh, next time we'll be back with two one-off episodes, the Kamen Yaiba murder case and a honey cocktail murder case. Which sounds pretty exciting. Honey cocktails.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That.
0: Oh wow, there's like Bees or something in the cocktail. Creepy. What?
1: Really? Right. Yeah. Oh,
0: gosh. We'll get to talk about this next week. Very exciting stuff. Bees. In- would you drink a cocktail that has a bee inside No,
1: it? I don't think I would.
0: You wouldn't? No. You wouldn't swallow It's the honey flavor.
1: The- so bees are honey flavored?
0: Well, yeah. They make honey. Yeah, but they don't well, make where it do from it their comes from? innards. Well, we don't know that. I mean, I guess technically we probably do know that, but I don't know that. I'll get with it. Sure,
1: I think there's some bit of spit in there. Also,
0: are you going to make a honey cocktail? Are you going to get actual honey and put it in there? (laughs) Oh, imagine that. It's much easier to get the dead uh, bees and just place them in there. We have those cool episodes next time. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, You can review the podcast on iTunes, Apple... Podcasts, all that stuff. Google Podcasts, we're on Spotify. We appreciate every review. Follow the show on Twitter at Case underscore Reopened. And that'll do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.
1: Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.